Welcome. You're listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this week's message. I'm going to turn it over to Helen. When we had last week our time of fasting and prayer, Helen shared with us at the prayer meeting some of the pictures that God had given her through that time of fasting and prayer. So I'm going to have Helen share some of those with you. Before our time of fasting and praying, um, Alan, myself, and one or two others for the church here, on New Year's, we, we went into Edinburgh at Elam, and um, uh, there was a word shared, and that really spoke into my heart, and it was awake, awaken people, and it was like God was calling us to wake up, wake up and, and see him and listen to him. That, that had really spoken to it. And the first, the first morning that I sat down to pray, I felt that God was convicting me. And one of the first things that he said to me was, are you looking for me? Are you looking for miracles? And it was like, no, I'm coming into this week of fasting and praying because I'm searching you, Lord. And one of the, one of the things that he said to me initially was, don't rush ahead. Just wait and do what the Lord tells you and put away the critical spirit. And I felt that was something that was kind of something for us to share, every one of us to share, because we can all fall into that pattern of being critical about things that we don't see them the way that we want them to be. Oh, wait a minute, I found this passage. Awake, you sleepers, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And I think we would all love Christ to shine on us. But I really took that really personal when that was shared. That it just, it really, really spoke to me. And the first thing that I kind of experienced as well was that real sense of peace that the Lord's hand was upon me. Then I started to see, as the week went on, I started to see different visions. And I'll just go through them as I experienced them and the things that I felt God was saying to me through them. I was sitting, having a prayer time at Al, and... I started to see their logs and they were, they were being floated, floated into this big pond to be taken to the mill to be processed. But the strange thing that was happening was everything was going extra fast. It was like watching a movie that had been wound up. So it was going major, majorly fast and it, it seemed strange. It seemed really strange. But what, what I was exp- uh, feeling at that time was It was about God was bringing it, preparing and bringing in the harvest. But when it comes, we need to be ready because it's going to come at a speed that we are not expecting. The next day, I saw a mountain and there was was trees and they'd all been cut and they were sliding down this mountain and they were going to... They were being harvested and they they were being brought down this mountain and there was hundreds of them. And... And some of them had bits broken off them. And I felt God was saying to me, this is the people that I want to bring to you. They're people that, they're not perfect. Their lives are not all shiny. They're broken people. But they're the people that God's wanting us to seek for. I felt that was really poignant for this community because we know that there's a lot of broken people in this community. But there's a lot of broken people throughout the whole of Scotland. And then the morning, a morning, couple of mornings later, I woke up and I was seeing this large barn and it was absolutely full of grain. And the door was, was getting pushed open and I could see that it was full and overflowing. 
and the Lord was saying, this is my harvest. It's ready. It's ready and it's prepared for you. You just have to go and you just have to, you just have to step into that. And a couple of days later, we'd been, we'd been at a um, prayer night where we were just soaking in the Lord. And on the way home, I started to see this large, it was like a big chasm in the sky. It was like a big halo. And it was, it was um, the Lord was, was saying to me in this halo, look, the gateway to heaven is open wide for my people to come in. Just come and bring them in. Then a few days later, I just I had this vision and it was people walking in the street. And one by one, the Lord was just picking one up and then another one up and another one up. They were the ones that the Lord had selected. So the Lord is definitely at work. He's not showing us these things and encouraging me to share these things if he's not got a plan for us. And I, I really want to encourage you that although I did the fasting, but the main thing that I did in that couple of weeks was I spent lots of time with the Lord. I sat praying, reading the word, but I didn't just spend five minutes. I spent, it was actually quite a lot of hours I spent. I'm not saying that you've got to spend that many hours, but it was definitely about spending a focused time on the Lord and sitting there and in his presence and listening and worshiping the Lord. And then on Friday, for a prayer meeting, the Lord gave me this word and I felt it was quite poignant, so I'm going to read that as well. And it's Psalm 67, and it's, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, that your ways be known on the earth, your salvation among the nations. May the people praise you, God. May all the people praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the people justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the people praise you, O God, and may the people praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Amen. I just want to encourage you just to keep pressing into the Lord and you never know what he might be saying to you if you take time to actually listen. So thank you for listening to me. Today, I'm going to talk about bring what you have. Last week, I talked a little bit about it with Moses and his staff. You know, God asked him, what did he have in his hand? Think about what, what you may have in your hand. Imagine that Rich, Richard Branson or any other billionaire asked you to partner with them in any business venture. Imagine if with all their wealth and power, they needed you. What would you think? How would you feel? You would probably hang up the phone if it was a phone call. You would probably think that it was a fake spam email. How would you feel if that was the case? Friends, we have Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, that wants to partner with us. Resources are no issue to him. There's nothing that would be able to uh, be too much for him to do. He can do anything and yet wants to join together with, with us. He wants us to join with him to accomplish his will in the earth. That's a pretty big task. And I know, like I said, if we thought of it as, as a billionaire asking us to do that, God is asking us to partner with him. Jesus selected the 12. He selected 12 men. 
They were common men. They were working class dudes. They were not the scholars or the elite. Most, it says, were fishermen. They all could have said no, but they followed him. He said, come, follow me. It says they left their nets and they followed him. And for them, that was their livelihood. That was their family business. That was everything to them. They left it. I don't know what it looked like because the scriptures don't say, but I'm sure there might have been a few wives that are like, what? (laughs) You're doing what? You're going where? But they left everything. What an amazing three and a half years that that must have been. The disciples, after Jesus died and rose again, they would go on to change the world for Christ in his name and power. In fact, there was a book called 12 Ordinary Men, and it talks about some of the stories of each of those disciples. They were ordinary men. There was nothing that was special about them. Today, if you have your Bible, your phone, your tablet, we're going to be looking at John chapter 6. It's going to be a majority of our scriptures today. Many of us would say, I have no credentials. I, I don't have any theology degree. I don't have what it takes. But yet you're asking us, to go and make disciples. So Father, just use this word today. I pray that your word speaks to us, God. I'm just opening and sharing your word. So speak to us by your Holy Spirit, I pray. May we be willing to listen as well as obey and hear what you're saying in your name, Lord. Amen. So at the top of the paragraph, it says 5,000 men fed. This miracle is so tremendous in magnitude that it is recorded in all four gospels. And many unchurched people know the story. Many people just in the street, I mean, many people have heard of David and Goliath, even if they've never ever been to church or read the Bible. They hear a story about the multiplication of the fish and loaves. Beginning in verse 1, John chapter 6. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or also known as Tiberias. A large crowd was following him because they were watching the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. But Jesus went up on the mountain and there sat with his disciples. Jesus had traveled around Israel. He went all over Israel and he preached and he taught the people and he healed the sick and he talked about the kingdom of God. He had huge crowds that followed him and at times the huge crowds left and very few followed him. But they were eager to see miracles That's one thing just before we go on. Let's not be eager to see miracles. Let's be eager to see Christ. Let's look to him and chase after him. The crowd wanted to see miracles. And as the crowds grew in size, we don't see Jesus loving the adoration and having, you know, this this complex. No, it says he often withdrew to find time alone to pray to his father. And he also used these moments to teach his disciples. So a crowd is pressing in on him, and he withdraws and sits down with the 12, and he wants to teach them. Verse 4, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was near. This is the yearly celebration of when the angel of the Lord passed over the Israelites as they applied the blood to the doorposts at God's direction and instruction. And that was coming up, and they were going to be doing that. And so right before they left Egypt, that was the last of the ten plagues that came. And God told them to apply the blood to the doorposts. Verse 5, so Jesus, after raising his eyes, might have been 
quietly praying with his eyes closed, but it says he raised his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? One thing to always make note of when, when Jesus or God in the Bible asks a question because he knows everything. So make note when he asks a question. He turns to Philip. There's not much that's recorded about Philip, but he turns to him. Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Jesus is filled with compassion and he wanted to meet the physical needs of the people as well as their spiritual needs. But verse six comes in, but he was saying this only to test him for he himself knew what he intended to do. Sometimes I really believe that God has a sense of humor. Sometimes I really think that, at least the way I read it, I sometimes can see a bit of, of humor in there. It says he said this only to test him because he knew what he was going to do. Have you ever done that maybe to your children? You knew that you maybe had the puppy behind your back or you just want to see maybe what they're going to do and you want to give them some treat or you want to do something. Here he is, it says he is only testing him for he knew what he intended to do. Jesus is the master and was using opportunities to teach his disciples. One of the things that's beautiful is that he doesn't just do like classroom. He does hands-on. He does practical. He teaches them in ways that they could grasp and understand. A good teacher often tests their students to see if they're grasping the material. Some teachers I had through school tested an awful lot. There would be quizzes and tests, sometimes the pop quiz to see you didn't have time to revise you had no time to study but they just want to see do you know the material he is the best teacher friends here it is in the word God tests us he tests us sometimes the test is to see what's in our hearts sometimes he tests our motives tests us to see if we'll trust him he tests us to see do we know the material? I know many times I always say to God, if I feel like I'm tested, I failed the test. I feel like that many times. It's not many times that you're like, oh, I aced that test. Many times I'm like, God, I failed the test. If I was supposed to do this or that, like I failed the test. We know that he's full of mercy, but God has this habit of bringing it back around again, <laughs> giving you another go down the road and to see Hopefully that's where we're growing or we can trust him more. Maybe there's times when he's asking us to trust him or he's testing our faith and we fail. He'll bring it around again because he wants to see are we growing in that area. So they record some possible solutions to Jesus' question or to this possible problem. Often in life we have problems. All of us are not you know, immune to problems. But it's nice to, not just somebody to recognize the problems, but to offer some possible solutions. That's nice when somebody gives some solutions. So his disciples try to come up with some solutions for the problem. Verse seven, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not enough for them, for each to receive just a little. So the first possible solution, or at least the first one here mentioned is to buy bread. That's practical. That seems to make sense. In the other Gospels, the first solution in the other Gospels is send them away. If you get rid of the crowd, you get rid of the problem. 
Send them away. That's the answer. They're on their own. But that isn't the solution that Jesus was looking for. Jesus, it says, knew that the people may faint on the way as they had been following him for several days and evening was approaching. So that wasn't the solution. And Philip is here thinking practically. To accomplish this, money would be needed. This is usually the first or second solution for most of us. This is usually our default setting. If we just had more money, money's the answer. If I just had money, I could accomplish X. Again, if Richard Branson or insert whoever was the benefactor, money wouldn't be the problem. If he says to you, I want to partner with you in this, and you're like, well, here's the problem. We don't have this. And he's like, well, that's not it. I'll write you a check right now. Like sometimes we just give God our excuses and we feel justified. 200 denarii was 200 days wages. It was a sizable amount of money. And then they probably wouldn't be able to buy enough bread for this crowd. What bakery right there in the wilderness could have had enough bread on hand? Even if that was the solution and they did have the money, there was no bakery that would have enough bread for all those people. This was Jesus testing the faith of Philip. I have to commend him for at least offering a solution. I know that sometimes if somebody asks a question that is well without my scope, I think sometimes to just not say anything. Because especially if it's something that I don't know, they say the difference between a wise man and a fool is the wise man knows when to keep his mouth shut. So sometimes if it's a question that I don't know, but here is Philip offering at least a, a solution. So one of his disciples, verse 8, Andrew Simon Peter's brother said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? Andrew, patron saint of Scotland. We need Andrews today. Every time you see Andrew in the scriptures, he's bringing somebody to Jesus. His catchphrase was come and see. He was always bringing somebody to Jesus. Friends, maybe you're one of those that what's in your hand is that you're a gatherer. There are people who have a gift of gathering people. They're inviting people to church. They're, they're gathering people. They have people to their home. That's a gift. Not everyone has that. That might be what's in your hand. And you say to God, what's in my hand? What can I bring? That might be it. You have the gift of being a gatherer, that you can get people together. Andrew always is seen bringing people to Christ and he wasn't sure how this could help, even if at all. But this young lad was willing to give his lunch. This is the little boy's lunch. Andrew offers something tangible. At least here's something physical we can have. We don't have money, enough money, but here's something. Here's some loaves and some fish. And again, this was the, the lunch for the little boy. It wasn't even the large fish supper like we get here in Scotland where that plank is so big you need a, a, almost an extra box or the portion of chips. This was just a couple of loaves and a couple of fish. That little boy's mom was wise enough to send him on to this gathering with a lunch. So we don't know her name, but she was wise enough to send him on with a lunch. And here he is willing to give it if it could help. He was even willing to give his lunch for this large crowd he brought all that he had to Jesus. And that's what we need to do. See, sometimes we say to God, like, if you do this, 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 and this, and all this stuff, we need to just bring what we have. 
We need to bring what we have to him. We need to lay it at his feet. Jesus can do more than we can ask, think, or even imagine. Friends, what do you have? What do you have that you could bring to him? What's in your hand? What has God given you? We all have something different to offer. What is God asking you to partner with him in? Again, all of us collectively working together, and it'll take all of us to be able to reach this community. What is he asking you to partner with him in? This is interesting because we see the disciples trying to bring a solution to Jesus' questions. How can we feed the people? So they're thinking of all different things. What can we do? What has God placed in our hands? How can we bless this community? Verse 10, Jesus said, have the people recline to eat. Now there was plenty of grass in that place, so the men reclined, about 5,000 in number. And I've heard theologians speculate on this number of 5,000 men. If you count in the women and children, it was well between 10, 15 to 20,000 people. We've been to Israel by the Sea of Galilee. There was uh, some, some places where it is, you could fit 20,000 people easy down this little slope to the sea. And he says, have them recline to eat. The solution that Jesus offered was no one's guess. No one brought that up as a solution. Remember even Mary when uh, they had run out of wine. She said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. They didn't even say, well, you're, you're Jesus. What do you think we should do? Why wasn't that the first thought in their mind? Sometimes we need to have that as our first thought. Jesus, what do you, what do you want to do? But he says, sit down, recline to eat. It was as if he was saying to them, set the table. We're going to have a meal, set the table. Have everyone sit down and be ready to eat. And this was unprecedented because none of them went to buy bread. There was no bakery that phoned up. Hey, we've had a, a problem and we have all this bread. We don't know what to do with it. Sit down to eat. No one would have thought that this was the solution for this problem of feeding such a large number of people. And Jesus gives practical instructions. And in the other Gospels, he has them sit down in specific numbers. They had a huge crowd and to serve took some organizational procedures to enable them to feed the whole crowd in a timely manner. I'm sure there were some growling bellies. Some of you may have that this morning where your belly is growling. Verse 11, and Jesus took the loaves. It says that after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were reclining. Likewise, also the fish, as much as they wanted. The Bible says about being pressed down, shaken together and running over. He says he's more than enough. Our God is more than enough. Notice that the miracle happened after Jesus had given thanks. In the other gospels, they say that Jesus looked up to heaven and thanked God and broke the bread and gave thanks. This is a reminder that God is the source of all good and needful things. Instead of complaining to God about what we don't have, maybe we need to give thanks for what we do have and maybe see a miracle. God knows what, it says he knows what you need even before you ask. Seek him first and all the other things will be added to you. Verse 12, and when they had eaten their fill, he said to the disciples, gather up the leftover pieces so that nothing will be lost. 
Everyone had their fill. There's nothing like when you're really hungry. We were really hungry at the end of that fast. Nothing like having your fill. In fact, it took just a few uh, crackers and a few things, and I was full. That was all that I could do that evening. But this is an amazing miracle. A few fish and loaves or a small boy's lunch. But in the hands of Jesus, it was a fish feast. This was probably a really good fish supper. All the fish they wanted and all the bread that their bellies could handle. The miracle took place in the hands of the Savior. He multiplied the food and the disciples were a part in that they distributed it. Jesus does the miracle and they got to be part of it. That's what God does in our lives. We bring the little that we have and partner with Jesus. It is he who multiplies it. We have to lay it at his feet. Each of us doing our part that he has asked of us. See, I can't do what God's asking you to do. You can't do what God's asking me to do. We all need to be obedient. In fact, the word says to obey is better than sacrifice. We need to do what he says all together. Jesus also provided instructions so that nothing would be wasted. Friends, nothing is ever wasted with God. Even the tough times in life, even some unforeseen things, even horrible things, God uses for his glory. He wastes nothing. It says that he even keeps our tears. He knows the tears and he says he even keeps them in a vial. Like he knows what we're going through and he wastes nothing. Continue on verse 13. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with pieces from the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Now, we know that he has them gather them up. I don't know if he sent them home with the little boy, but that would seem like that would have been a nice practical thing to do as he gave his lunch. But how many baskets were left over? How many disciples were there? Don't you think that that lesson would stay with them forever? That basket, it could have been, I don't know how big it was, it could have been heavy. And it was, again, an opportunity that Jesus was teaching them. And they would have carried that basket, and I'm sure that story never left them. That they saw these little, little boys' lunch get multiplied to 10 to 20,000 people. Again, the good teacher. Also, it says this in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31. And this is where it comes in where God wants to partner with us. And this is how God does it. It says, for consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong and the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are so that no man may boast before God, but by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. That's amazing. God wants to partner with us. He knows our limitations and our weaknesses. He knows when we're grumpy, we didn't get enough sleep. How humbling is that? Friends, look, look at each other. God wants to use, use you. He wants to use me. He wants to use us if we're willing. It's kind of like that dad who is maybe doing a, a project with their, with their child and there's a tough bolt and that dad 
breaks that bolt loose and he does it all and there's one turn left and he gives it to his child and they turn that last bolt and take it out like they're part of this, you know, repairing this thing. God does all this stuff and he partners with us because he wants to partner with us. God could do it all faster and better than us but instead wants to partner with us. He wants to use us. Everyday, ordinary people who are all in with God. The disciples left all they had and followed Jesus. They were all in. They didn't just try it out. They were all in. They left their nets. They left their businesses. They were all in following him. Verse 14. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. See, one of the signs of Messiah that they were looking for was the bread coming from heaven. Jesus shows them the bread of life. He said, I am the bread of life. The Israelites had eaten manna in the wilderness as they journeyed for 40 years. They all knew the story. They all knew the history of the manna, the bread coming from heaven. Each day they had to go and get fresh bread. And it says if they tried to keep it for multiple days, it would turn rotten. The bread from heaven. The same God who provided all that they needed Every day is the same God that we serve today. He will provide everything that we need. He will provide everything that we need. The true bread is here now, here in their midst, and they didn't recognize him. This was that sign that Messiah was to come. This was it. And the lesson here in this passage is that whenever there's a need, give all that you have to Jesus and let him do the rest. Bring what you have and give it all to him. He can do far more than we ever could, than even that we could believe. We need to place our life in his very capable hands. See, to the little boy, it was just some bread and fish. To the disciples, bread and fish. But in the hands of Jesus, it was a feast for people to eat all that they could handle. Their stomachs were full. No one went away hungry, even with baskets left over. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingtonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.